0: You're listening to Daily Notes, presented by Home Sideways. In this journey with Spielberg, we help Indiana Jones and his father search for the Holy Grail in Indiana Jones in The Last Crusade. The Oscar goes to Steven Spielberg. E.T. You're the mayor of Shark City. The Oasis. Are you my deadhead? Welcome back to the Almost Sideways Movie Podcast, everyone. My name is Adam, and this is my journey with Spielberg, where I've been going back and watching every film in the great career of Steven Spielberg, and I've been documenting my journey and my takes on the films for the podcast. This is our seventh installment into this journey with Spielberg, and also just so happens to be our third entry in the Indiana Jones franchise as well. Today, we are tackling Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. We're about to complete a great quest the Holy Grail, Dr. Jones. Oh, rats. Right. This is it. Look, the shield is the second marker. We found it. Indiana Jones is on the quest of a lifetime. Oh, oh. But for some adventures, one Jones is not enough. Dad? Junior? Don't call me that, please. Follow me! Another way! A race across three continents. And in this sort of race, there's no silver medal for finishing second. Hang on, Dad! We're going in! Into the homeland of the enemy. Nazis. I hate these guys. Anna! Our situation has not improved. It is search for the holy grail. How dare you kiss me? Are you crazy? Don't go between them! Don't go between them! In the belly of that steel beast. Dad! Junior! You call this archaeology? The quest for the Grail is not archaeology. It's a race against evil. Germany has declared war on the Jones Boys. Those people are trying to kill us. I know, Dad! It's a new experience for me happens to me all the time. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Have the adventure of your life. Keeping up with the Joneses. This film came out in 1989. It's rated PG-13 with a runtime of 2 hours and 7 minutes. Of course, it's directed by Steven Spielberg himself. The writers for the film are Jeffrey Bohm, who wrote the screenplay, George Lucas, and Mino Mahas, who wrote the story. We see Harrison Ford reprise his role as Indiana Jones. We also see two returning cast members from previous films. We see Dean Holm Elliott as Marcus Brody, and John Reese davis also reprises his role as Sala. The biggest cast members that are journeying into the franchise for the first time, we see Sean Connery as Indiana Jones' father, Professor Henry Jones. We also see Allison Doty as Elsa, Julian Glover as Walter Donovan, and the young actor, River Phoenix, as young Indiana Jones. If you haven't seen this film in a long time, it's been a few years, let me uh, get you back up to speed with the synopsis that IMDb has provided with us. This also is an action-adventure film, I should throw that out there. But the synopsis here reads, In 1938, after his father, Henry Jones Sr., goes missing while pursuing the Holy Grail, Indiana Jones finds himself up against Adolf Hitler's Nazis once again, and he must stop them from obtaining the powers of the Holy Grail. But growing up, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was my favorite entry into the Indiana Jones franchise. I love the sense of adventure, the fun dynamics between Indiana Jones and his father. I really enjoy Harrison Ford, and I, I loved the franch this franchise too growing up. But there was something about this third entry that felt a little lighthearted. There were some more jokes, it was a little lighter in tone, it wasn't as air quotes, scary. As other films in the franchise. And I think the good a good franchise to compare Indiana Jones to is the original Star Wars trilogy. If you look back at it, Star Wars is kind of like Raiders of the Lost Ark. There's some it's dark, but it's also getting your intro into the characters. Temple of Doom is a little darker, a little more scarier, has a little darker elements to it, which is like Empire Strikes Back. And of course, Indiana Jones and The Last Crusade resembles Return of the Jedi two films that i from those franchises Return of the jedi and the Last crusade are what i considered my favorite films growing up from those franchises now i'm i'm more partial to raiders of the lost ark and star wars the empire strikes back both i consider top 100 films of all time for me so i, I really love those films let's not take anything away from indiana jones and the last crusade this is a really solid movie, and I absolutely adored my rewatch of it. And I forgot how much I loved this movie, because I haven't seen it for a few years now. And I definitely haven't seen it since Sean Connery has passed. I should have revisited when he did pass away, uh, which was kind of really sad. I, I loved watching a lot of his movies growing up. And it, it was he's just a really iconic actor with an amazing voice and just... Uh, What can I say about Sean Connery? That really hasn't been said by everybody else, but he's just an iconic actor that when he was on screen, he just kind of popped off the screen, and you can definitely see that with this movie here. Let's go back a little bit. Let's talk about what I really loved about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. The first thing is, I kind of mentioned them already, and that's River Phoenix. I have to say, River Phoenix as young Indiana Jones and that whole beginning, like, 20 minutes of the movie. Maybe it's not even that long. It just feels like I want to dive more into that world. I want it to be longer, to be honest. But seeing River Phoenix as young Indiana Jones and kind of what would be considered his first adventure, possibly, I absolutely love that. And I showed my daughter that in sequence. And she enjoyed it, too, especially when they get on the train With all the circus animals, that scene right there sparks the imagination in me. And I definitely just want to see more of what River Phoenix could have done. Now, I am aware that they did make an Indiana Jones TV show called The Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. that came out between 1992 and 1993. Now, River Phoenix did not reprise his role as Young Indiana Jones here. That, That opportunity went to a young Sean Patrick Flannery. And also looking at the cast list here on IMDb, it looks like George Hall played Indiana Jones. Old Indy, as it says here in the the, um, the cast list. We also see Corey Carrier play Henry Indiana Jones Jr. for seven episodes as well. So it wasn't a long-lived TV show. And it looks like the creator of the show was, of course, George Lucas here. Now, I remember watching some of this this show on VHS at my grandparents' house. can't remember anything about the show or if the show was even good or not, but I do remember it being a thing. Going back into the movie here, River Phoenix brings something to the Indiana Jones character as the younger version that I would have loved to see more of, of course. See more adventures, maybe even a feature-length film. I think there's a possibility that that would have been really cool. Because when we see him in the movie for the brief moments, there's an electricity to him that I can definitely see where he emulates, emanates the same charisma as Harrison Ford as this character here. What's really fascinating is that there's the the question of what if, because River Phoenix has also passed away, especially at a young age. So it's who knows what his career would have looked like um, if he would have been here still, you know. So that's, that's kind of the sad, sad part of it. But anyway, we move on from the young Indiana Jones stuff, because that, that stuff's amazing. But other things I really liked about the movie is I think that the chemistry between Sean Connery and Indiana Jones here, I think the movie has a great understanding of what the relationship between these two characters are. It's a strange father relationship that they are don't agree eye, and eye, eye to eye. They haven't talked for a few years. They have different philosophies and how they handle things. And they're two different uh, ways of thinking about stuff too, which is cool to see their kind of contrast of characters. But the actors have such big personalities and they have such a charisma to them like I said, like Sean Connery pumps off the screen but so does Harrison Ford. Every time I see him and stuff I always see him as this larger than life actor. He's one of my favorites and I'm not going to I'm kind of biased on that nature, I admit. But seeing these two iconic actors on screen that's where the movie is really working on all cylinders. I absolutely love that stuff. The whole journey to find Indiana Jones' father, that's also really cool. That's where the film gets its sense of adventure and actually, quite frankly, fun. There's some really cool moments there that really sparks the imagination of what's actually under these iconic historical buildings that are in Venice and in and, and Germany and such like that. It There's some cool imagination. I know as a kid, I was always fascinated by that kind of stuff there, too. And of course, being a kid of the 90s, you grow up playing the video games of uh, Tomb Raider, which resembles heavily of a person going in looking for treasures, just like Indiana Jones. So there's that sense of adventure. And they, they made those live-action movies with Angelina Jolie. And as you grow older, there's uh, the Nathan Drake character in the Uncharted video game franchise that I absolutely like as well. Now that I got a live-action movie. So of course, th- th- there's stuff that resembles it, but doesn't quite have the magic as the iconic Indiana Jones character. The whole journey to find Indiana Jones' father does bring us to a character here that's introduced, played by Allison Doty. Her name is Elsa. It is a fascinating character, but growing up, now that I have seen it so many years later and I've grew up on this film, it's clear to clearly that she is a bad guy. My wife, who had never seen this movie up to this time, Said, yeah, there's something up with that girl. I don't, I don't trust her, like Indiana Jones did trust her in the movie, and she was absolutely right. I think it's pretty obvious where the film does go and who the villains may be in the movie, but I don't care. It is still a really fun journey that you're trying to get to, try to get to the Holy Grail. When we get to the city where the Grail is definitely being kept, and we get those three challenges. Talk about being on the edge of your seat. I know as a kid, I had to close my eyes a couple of times. Even though it's not as scary or as gruesome as previous installments of the the franchise, but I'm still just as scared. I don't want to see Indiana Jones die, die in those moments. But seeing those trials play out again, really cool. Another stuff that's just as fascinating as it was back then as it is today. And of course, watching it so many years later, I think you can kind of spot who the villain of the movie is. Like I said, my wife picked up on who it was rather quickly, and it's not the first time she's done that. So, even though I still enjoy it, I think I guess you could pick it up if you haven't seen it at all. And if I, if you haven't seen it up to this point, and I just spoiled it for you. Sorry, it came out. It came out thirty-three years ago. Uh, any, anyway, I guess also there's some stuff in the middle of the movie too that. It it seems like it's kind of filler, even though it's only two hours and seven minutes. It does go by rather fast, but I want to get back and more into the action and more into the relationship with uh, Indiana Jones and his father. So I don't really have any huge complaints. It's just one of those movies that I have really heavy nostalgia for, but I can kind of look at with, with it and realize maybe it's not the best movie that Spielberg has ever done, but it's still a very entertaining movie. It's definitely on line with like a Return of the Jedi and kind of the – ranking of the franchise. It's kind of just in the middle right there, uh, still really solid entry in the franchise. And it's definitely the the film of this Indiana Jones franchise that is the, definitely the most fun to have while watching it because there is this that great banter back and forth. And I could watch that the banter between Sean Connery and Harrison Ford all day. I want to see more of them on screen. So one thing I did when I was kind of preparing for this episode, I found an article that was written in July of 2022, so this year, from Sideshow.com. And it's 10 artifacts about Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. So it's 10 fun facts that they uh, they found from this film. And I, I'm just going to read the the fact itself. And I'll read the leave the article down in the show notes down below, so make sure you guys check that out if you're interested. So our 10th fact for this film was that there was 2,000 rats were specially bred for the catacomb sequence here in the movie. A very I, I totally didn't even mention the, the rat sequence. A really gross sequence when they do go under, under the catacombs after they go to this library in the film to try to find Indiana Jones' father. That scene is disgusting. So I, I, I think that's pretty cool. They did breed the rats there. So very interesting how they were able to do that, but 2,000 rats in that sequence. Yuck. Number nine. Several early drafts of the screenplay involved a haunted castle. Would not have liked that, I don't think. uh, That would not have been uh, really fun for me. Uh, Number eight. Harrison Ford's real-life chin scar was incorporated into the story. Yeah, I I guess I never really picked up that he did have a scar. I believe there was a thing that he maybe got in an accident. I don't know how he got the scar, but... Uh, I do know where that scene is they're talking about, and that's during the River Phoenix scene when he first uses the bullwhip with the lion on the circus train, and he kind of cuts his his chin there. That's where he gets that scar. So uh, really cool that they actually tied in something that real life into the character. Number seven here, Harrison Ford and Sean Connery ditched their pants for a scene. Now this scene they're talking about was on the blimp when they're trying to leave uh, Germany. Uh, with the diary that they they have that uh, Henry, uh, a doctor, uh, sorry, Jones is here, was Sean Connery's character has been writing to find the Holy Grail. So there's a scene during a hot summer day on this blimp, and Sean Connery's like, okay, I'm not going to wear pants. You're just going to film me from my, uh, basically my, my chest up, so I'm not, you're not going to see my legs. So I'm taking my pants off. So Harrison Ford, like father, like son, he did that as well. So pretty interesting there. Uh, number six, Nazi extras were asked to cross their fingers behind their backs while filming. Yeah, I would uh, I would do that as well if I had to play an extra for that. <laughs> number five, most of the Nazi uniforms worn at the Berlin rally are authentic. Yeah, uh, pretty. That's good that they stay true. I guess this is a cool fact here. I like this one. Four, Harrison Ford performed almost all of his own stunts. That is really cool. Spe- specifically that iconic tank sequence which we really didn't touch on too much but the tank sequence was really uh, pretty fascinating and speaking of the tank sequence number three here the tank's chase scene was originally meant to be much shorter uh, George apparently the, the story goes as George Lucas wanted to have a tank sequence in the film and it was supposed to be a little small little segments here but it's supposed to be like a two-day shoot, but apparently Sean Connery said reported that it was like actually ten days of shooting for this one scene in the, in the movie. Uh, really crazy how that was able to be put together. I, it's a great scene. I, I kind of spaced on mentioning it earlier, but having a tank, have Indiana Jones go up against a tank, uh, and he's on horseback, mind you. Awesome stuff. Number two here, a ghost writer was hired to re rank the. Indian Henry dialogue. So definitely interesting. I don't think they say who the ghostwriter is, but they did use another person. They did. They do say it. It was renowned playwright Tom Stoppard who uh, was brought on board to pin the Fresh Lines. And even though he didn't receive a writing credit, he was paid $120,000 for rewriting the material after the movie's release and was subsequent success. However, he received a further $1 million bonus for his work on the film. That's pretty cool. like that. And number one, Sean Connery improved the line, she talks in her sleep. This is a really uh, cool thing here. Um, there was a scene where Elsa, you know, was revealed that she was uh, working for with the Nazis. And Indiana Jones was like, how did you know that she did? Well, she talks in her sleep, simple as that. Uh, really cool to see that uh, Sean Connery ad-libs his own stuff here. Really enjoyed uh, finding out that fact, and really good. Anyway, check make sure you guys read the article. It's really uh, fun, but that's the kind of the bullet points there. Okay, let's go to the box office and the budget here. The uh, release date came out in May twenty fourth, nineteen eighty nine, and it's a box office. Um, the budget for the movie was forty eight million dollars, and it had a gr- gross worldwide of four hundred seventy four million one hundred seventy one thousand eight hundred six dollars worldwide. A lot of cheddar and definitely made a profit there. Really cool to see that third entry get so much praise and love and also see that it got some awards love at the Oscars. So of course we're going to take a look at that. It had nominated for three awards here. It did win for best effects slash sound effects or sound effects editing. So best sound effects editing there. It also was nominated for best sound and best music original score for John Williams. Had some BAFTA nominations. Best Actor in a Supporting Role. Would not guess that. Sean Connery, best for a BAFTA. Really cool to see that. Best Sound and Best Special Effects. Nominations at the BAFTAs. And, of course, the Academy of Science Fiction, Fantasy, and Horror Films here. Best Fantasy Film nomination. Best Actor for Harrison Ford nomination. Best Writing for Jeffrey Boehm. Best Costumes nomination there as well. I'm trying to see if there's any other... Golden Globes, USA, uh, Best Performance by an Actor in a Supporting Role in a Motion Picture, Sean Connery. So was Sean Connery uh, snubbed at the Oscars? Who knows? Uh, that would have been a really interesting nomination if Sean Connery got nominated for Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That would be crazy. Uh, so we're going here and we're looking at, uh, I wanted to throw this out there too because uh, the, where does this rank on Spielberg? So we're talking about the journey with Spielberg. Where does Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade fall on Spielberg's, you know, top grossing films of all time? Uh, currently, it's number nine on his box office filmography, like worldwide gross. And I, I what I found was like there's 35 films that he has done, and that's including the Fableman's that's coming out this year. That is That has made some kind of profit. So Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade falls at number 9. In between Jaws and The Adventures of Tintin at number 10. So looking back at his like his whole filmography and the seven films that I've already talked about. And I will reveal where those seven films fall on this box office scale here that we've talked about already. And also where it, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade falls in my ranking of all the movies that I've done so far, and I will reveal my top seven Spielberg movies of the movies I've done up to this point, and I will continue to update you as we go along with this journey. Let's talk about this box office first. So our lowest Spielberg movie watch that we've done so far was number 15, and that's Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom for the box office. Number 12 is Minority Report. Number 11, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Then nine, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And then we go up to number four, The Lost World of Jurassic Park, made a buttload of money. Number two, grossing film of all time for Spielberg, E.T. The Extraterrestrial. And number one, being Jurassic Park. I think that's a pretty given movie uh, that would be his number one. So pretty uh, fantastic. He's Spielberg's been a producer too, and some of his movies that he's produced have grossed even more movies or more money than he's actually. The movies he's directed, so that's another uh, fascinating little nugget to have there. In closing, for this episode, I'm going to reveal my top seven films that we've done on this journey with Spielberg. So I give you kind of a, some kind of context of where things are falling in place for this journey. I won't give you the exact top ranking, ranking every single episode, I will just tell you where the film falls going forward. But today, we are going to go for all seven films. So at number seven, I have The Lost World of Jurassic Park, number six, Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom. Number five, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Number four, Jurassic Park. Number three, Minority Report. Number two, E.T. And number one, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Some big movies are still in play here. I'm really looking forward to uh, discussing more Spielberg movies with you all. And I'm pretty sure our next episode for Journey with Spielberg will be The Fablemans coming out pretty soon. So be on the lookout for that Journey with Spielberg the fabled ones so again thank you so much john williams play us out